Welcome to the Business of Property podcast. I'm Simon. I'm Stuart. We talk every week about the reality of running property businesses. Stuart runs a portfolio of co-living properties with a six-figure turnover and also has a property investment consultancy. And Simon has a number of buy-to-lets and runs Patma, which is a leading portfolio management software system and a source of property market insights. Before we dig into our topic this week, please do find the link to join our email list. You can find that in the show notes in whatever podcast player you're using. Click on the link, put in your details, and we will start sending you lovely emails at some point soon, hopefully. But anyway, (laughs) moving quickly on, no more requests this week. And we are going to dig in to some HMO licensing. Now, this is a, a real life case study on one of Stuart's properties. This property has been an HMO for some time, and Stuart has had a license on it. So that's normally five years. And I think, think that's how long the previous license w- was for. Yep. And Stuart has been going through the renewal process. So this is an active HMO that has undergone an HMO license inspection about five years ago and was given an HMO license. And we are going to talk through the result of the more recent inspection for the renewal of the existing HMO license. And, and first of all, I'm just going to kick off by saying that this report does not have any Schedule 1 deficiencies and hazards. So, so there you go, Stuart. Congratulations. You have got an HMO without any top priority hazards in it. <laughs> well, it's the only positive from the report, that's for sure. <laughs> The, the, the next thing I would note from this, this report is that it's four pages long. <laughs> yeah, some would count uh, three pages too many. <laughs> Indeed. So I, I don't know that we're going to go through every single item in, in this report, but I, I, we are certainly going to, going to pick up a, a few different things. And I think what one of the, the slightly more entertaining ones is that one of their recommendations is that there's a, a large hoover covering a step to the mezzanine level and this is entirely unacceptable well you've you've missed out a key piece of information there simon so you know you you, you've got to be called out on these things i do believe they did they not mention henry hoover i mean you know you can't not give henry the you know the respect he deserves and yes and it's we have had these before and the, the Hoover was left out by the tenants in the hallway, so slap on the wrist for them. And the HMO licensing officer was asked, could, could you just put that back in the cupboard? Absolutely not, because that will contravene any health and safety <laughs> legislation that we have. So, of course, we now have to take a photo of Henry not on the stairs just to prove that he was not there at some stage. But inevitably, the tenants will leave Henry out again. And that is uh, entertaining point number one. The second entertaining point, which I think before we get into some of the the really interesting matter, but is considering this property has had a license for minimum five years, one of the rooms is now deemed too small. Now, we know that uh, in this country it gets hot and cold. So we know that expansion and retraction or contraction does happen. But has my room reduced by half a meter in five years? I don't. I don't know. Simon, does that does that sound feasible if we think about the history of the planet? Well, it's. I, I don't think it's 
it's half a meter is it it's they're, they're complaining so so the requirement is that it has to be 6.52 square meters now that's the minimum floor area that you're you're allowed in an hmo room and they are complaining that your room is only 6.44 square meters so so that's what is uh, 80 centimeters yeah 80 80 square centimeters yeah. or 80, 80 centimeters squared or i don't yeah. know however you're supposed to say it but yeah so so that that's that's not that big an area are you sure a tenant didn't leave a hoover in it maybe and they didn't measure <laughs> that bit <laughs> yeah it's a it very it was a usb hoover it's the one that you plug into your laptop <laughs> yeah that's just uh, uh, have you actually been there have you have you measured this room yourself do you do you agree with either of their measurements <laughs> We actually went to the property two days ago because of the the extensive list. I felt the need to go straight to the property and have a look myself. But unfortunately, because we didn't we didn't have enough time to notify the tenants, we could only look at communal areas. So, so no is the short answer. But given that the license had been approved previously, our assumption was that that it that it did meet the minimum requirements, and. As if that weren't bad enough, it's now been compounded. I, I should actually interject myself here and just say I, I don't have a problem with HMO councillors or the HMO licensing department doing the right job because, uh, and I, honestly, we know that this is in the interest of the tenants, so don't have a problem with it. So we are being a little bit tongue in cheek, but I just want to acknowledge that it's for the right reasons. And genuinely speaking. I'm happy that people are doing the jobs on this because if if I'm going to pay 750 quid for a license, of which I have had to twice in the last week, so if I'm going to spend 50, I'd like to know that there is a benefit to that as opposed to just a, a box ticking exercise. So hopefully that's caveated my way out of any f- flippancy on this on this particular episode. <laughs> yeah, I, I think we we may we, we may be. Um quite flippant on a number of occasions on this episode but yeah I, I do totally agree it it is important that these checks are actually done and they are actually done thoroughly and it, i think that's a good thing yeah but yes that, yeah. that doesn't change the fact that some of it's quite entertaining it, it, exactly <laughs> and the bottom line is we know i've been a tenant you've been you know we've, we've got tenants and and therefore if, if these things are in place to protect tenants then then i'm absolutely all for it it's just when it gets a bit uh strange so so on this one not only has the, the the minimum room size now not been achieved, which previously we thought it had been, and as I say, it could just mean that people are now applying more diligence to the the work of this, which is a good thing. It's just a, it's just a surprise. But the challenge we've had is because this property is also doesn't have a communal room; it has has a lounge diner. It's actually a very big lounge diner. It's got a separate a kitchen with an overtop. Uh, sort of breakfast bar which is then leads into a communal area so it's, it's very open plan it's very nice but apparently that total size now doesn't meet communal area requirements which means that actually no longer do we have to meet a minimum room requirement of 6.5 which we now suddenly don't but we have to meet a minimum room size of 7.42 meters squared so actually we now have to find another meter squared in that room. So it, it wasn't bad enough that, that the room has shrunk, but they've also uh, grown the requirements. <laughs> yeah. Actually, perhaps we should just take a, a little step back hearing you describing the, the communal areas. And 
how, how big is this HMO? How many rooms and other en suites? And just give, give us a bit of background on how it, how it's set up. Yeah, so it's a um, it's a six bed property, no en suites, two bathrooms, kitchen kitchen dining area. It's also got a lean to at the back, which has got the tumble dryer washing machine, and I'll call it a courtyard at the back, stone courtyard leading to a back alley. It's it's kind of one of those things where I, you know it's, it's, it doesn't have any maintenance requirements in the outside, which is always a big tick for me when I'm looking at properties stroke HMOs is that you do, you want the least amount of maintenance and that's kind of it so it's a, it's a really simple property it is sort of right in HMOsville for students and working pro- stroke uh, yeah working professionals um, so it's good location 10 minute walk if that from the main high street yeah so it's 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 pretty straightforward really nothing nothing spectacular about this property I would say and what's your current tenant profile for it? So the current tenant profile is working professionals, used to be students, but again, and, and we might flip it back depending on where we get to with the property. But yeah, like I say, pretty straightforward property. And yeah, we, we kind of thought that we'll all, you'll always get a few bits that come out of the HMO license review, you know, tart up a couple of bits, you know, sort out some mould. It's always good to store up that mould ready for the review to make make sure they come back with a, a need to clear up some mould. And, and <laughs> exactly, collect it for five years. <laughs> yeah, I think I think there was only was only one one patch of of damp on a ceiling, wasn't there? And uh, and and some mould in the shower grouting, which they said you you needed to replace the. I know, cl- clean the grouting and replace the sealant. I think wasn't it on, on the list. Yeah, that's right. Clean, clean the ceiling, and as you rightly pointed out before, we click the record button because it, these things sometimes feel like petty. And I get it. I've actually got a, um, a cleaning company that go into not this property, but into a couple of the properties I've got, and that is one of the things I ask them to do because you have to stay on top of it. But hands up, we don't do it in every property, and you know when you've got five plus people staying in a property dare I say that maybe don't always open windows or put the ventilators on when they shower. This stuff builds up. Yeah. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, I think you're doing pretty well. It's There's not much mentioned here in the way of, of mold or, or whatever else that needs to be, be remedied. So I think it probably sounds better than my, my personal home at the moment. So, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm not going to say too much <laughs> on, on that front. Well, yeah, and that's that's the thing, isn't it? Generally speaking, we talked about uh, you know the 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 uh, responsibility of homeowners on the last episode, but we're typically responsible and probably more responsible in our rental properties than we are our own. So I'm sure we're not alone there. But yeah, so so the requirement is that uh, we now need to make a what was a just under six and a half meter square room a seven and a half square meter room, and I would say the only positive news for that is that we do have the possibility of increasing that room size because the room is upstairs at the front of the house and what we can actually do so if you imagine if you go up a set of stairs you've got a landing and actually on that landing there's then uh, three bedrooms two at the front and one 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 to the left hand side and the two bedrooms obviously there's a wall splitting the two well, actually we can bring one of the rooms towards more towards the banisters which again aesthetically is not something I like to do in fact I tend to try and avoid that in properties or remove it where we can but if 
essentially, we we'll bring this back to numbers. If this became a five bed property, it would not work, and it wouldn't work for me. That therein leaves us with a challenge, which is okay. If we go to five, it doesn't work. What do we do? Not an option. So we're going to look at making sure we retain it as a six bed. So therefore, we are going to look at increasing. There's actually a big cupboard on the on the landing, integral, probably there from the late seventies, eighties. I would have thought that's got to go. It just means that that bedroom will now have more storage. And the only slightly annoying thing is that we'll do what we've got to do. And obviously, there's a cost attached to pushing walls about and possibly moving a door slightly. But once we've done it, because of the shape of the room, I don't think there's going to be much benefit to the tenant, really. They might have a bit of extra storage space, as I was just saying. And I suppose that's my only frustration. And again, just to be clear, if, if this is what the rule is, we're going to adhere by the rules. We've got two choices. We either adhere by the rule or remove the room. So we're going to adhere by the rule. Preset, but I'm not sure it will impact the tenant's day to day life as much as we might hope. But we've obviously spoken with the uh, the person at the council who's who's doing this, who, in fairness, has been very professional and sort of has listened a lot. But essentially, it, it comes back to the rules that we've got to adhere to. So, yeah. So, so just to to clarify or to double check my understanding. You're you're going to move some walls around or a wall around, and the space to extend this room is is not coming from a, another bedroom at all, but it's coming from storage space that's, that would currently be communally accessed. Absolutely, exactly that. Yeah, and and you you've you think you've got enough space there for that to then provide you with seven point four two in in this particular bedroom. Yeah, so essentially we're just looking at a metre squared. I mean, when I'm stood there, I, I, di- I actually didn't have the tape measure with me, but based on, uh, you know, the back of a fag packet and me doing some steps around the outside, it looks as though that there's going to be more than a metre square there. But I want the builder to have a look because by the time he's put the wall up and obviously that takes up space, etc., it could be a bit tight. Okay, so then assuming you, you manage to keep this, this room into – or adapt this room so that it fits the new requirements so you've still got a a six person hmo then the, the next problem arises in as much as they, they've now said that you have an insufficient number of kitchen sinks or dishwashers to support a level of occupation greater than five persons so so if you're sticking with six people you're, you're going to need a, a new kitchen sink or a dishwasher apparently when did throw the kitchen sink at it actually become a literal thing? <laughs> the, lit- the guy with his clipboard said, right, we're going to throw the kitchen sink at it. So so that's what we've got to do. We're going to get a dishwasher in. The irony of this is that this property, guess what? Used to have a dishwasher. But guess what? The tenants never used it. So it was gathering dust and was dis- decided to remove so that they had more storage space. So, so would a better option be adding an extra sink then? It might be the better option, but it wouldn't be the easier option. And in this scenario, we've got a limited amount of time. We've got a few weeks to get everything done. So we're going to go with the easier option, which is get the dishwasher in. Personally, I'm happier with the dishwasher because it is something there that they, that they can use. And it might just be that we just got a set of tenants previously that, that didn't like dishwashers. Maybe had a bad experience with one. I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised they didn't want to use a dishwasher. That's, uh... No, although you know, without going too far into the realms, 
of an area I shouldn't go in. A lot of tenants don't seem to like going into the realms of dish washing at all, but um, maybe that's just that's just the, the properties I've got. Disposable dishes, that's the way forward. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we use those at home, actually, when, when we can't be bothered. That, that helps. <laughs> yep. I, I do quite like, in, in, in all of their recommendations, or several of the recommendations, a suitably competent person must do X, Y, Z for these things. Yeah, because we, we love an incompetent person over here. <laughs> exactly. So what, what else are you going to do? <laughs> why, why would you get something done incompetently? Yeah. Uh, again, to be fair to them, I suppose they've got to say that because, sadly, they probably would have had people and they say, you've got to sort out X and Y, and they just go, fine, and they'll get you know some random person to go in and just put some duct tape around something and consider that done. And I think this is all about, you know, in the news currently, we've got the whole sort of levelling up and, and I'm hearing, you know, radio adverts about, and I have to be honest, I was with my wife and I had to put my head in my hands, even though I was driving, because there's now adverts that say, do you have mould? It was about mould on your tiles. Well, the landlord hasn't hasn't fixed the mould. And I'm like, oh my God, as if we're not getting a bad enough press, we've now got advertising about landlords that aren't sorting out mould on tiles. And here I am with an HMO license that says I've got mould on tiles. Uh, apparently, actually, it doesn't say you've got mould on your tiles. It only says you've got to got to fix the grouting and the sealant. So so the, the, the tiles themselves apparently are all good. I, either there isn't any mould or you can leave the mould there. I'm not sure which it is. But... Yeah. Actually, no, there is no mould. I said nothing. Um, and the advert was for the Housing Association. That's the, uh, that's the only thing I would say. Yeah, I, I have heard that one as well. Yes, where they're point, pointing um, social tenants to to a website to to get their their social housing fixed up. <laughs> yeah, which which again which again is is a very important thing. Yes, of the ones I always like are you know re- replace splashback in sync X. So I know it's just think is that a uh, is that an aesthetic request or just you like splashbacks? Yeah, I I did I did glance over that. It says the the wash hand basin is missing a splashback. Missing splashback, yeah, that's it. How do you know it should have a splashback? Yes, I, yeah, exactly. It, are you not allowed to get the wall splashed? <laughs> but again, that's quite a new development because I think that I've seen that in quite a few of the reports that's come back. And then we've got some important things like uh, around you know putting CO two monitors, uh, things like that, which which actually we went we went through some of our portfolio, and I had to do that in at least four or five houses recently yeah actually the, the co2 one i thought was quite interesting because that what they're saying is that you have you have an open fireplace i assume so it's, it's not that you've you've actually provided um a fire or anything that, or encouraged them to, to to burn any solid fuel or anything but just because there is a fireplace there that could potentially be used for the burning of solid fuels you, you must have a, a co2 monitor positioned in the room above the fireplace which i mean as, as you say it's, it's perfectly sensible but yeah it's, it's i think it's interesting sort of extra step it's not that you're actually suggesting they should burn f- solid fuels but just because there's the potential of you must provide the the co2 monitor yeah and the fireplace is currently in the kitchen and i think there's a there's a fridge in the fireplace so good you know <laughs> maybe, maybe if you want to set fire to the fridge but okay that, I th- that that's an interesting extra development that isn't noted in the report <laughs> <laughs>
slightly more seriously, but but with a, a slightly entertaining story attached to it. One of the other recommendations is, is around fire extinguishers. And I'm not actually entirely sure on, on this recommendation. I, I, sh- I should read it out verbatim. And it says, where fire extinguishers are provided within the property, they must be annually tested with the stick at approve such. I'm not actually sure what they're suggesting there. But anyway, it does then go on to say, if this cannot be achieved, then the devices are to be removed. So I'm not quite sure what this bit says about annually tested with the stick at approve such. But uh, I'm suggesting somewhere around there, maybe they have to be annually tested and there has to be a sticker maybe added to, to show that's happened, maybe? With the sticker to prove as such, maybe, yeah. Ah, yes, yes. I think that's that's where it's got mistranslated somewhere along the lines to this text, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> and if you can't do that, take them out. Yeah. So um, that, that seems a little counterproductive, doesn't it? If you can't be bothered to test your fire extinguishers, don't bother having any at all. I mean, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think I know where I'm leaning on this one. <laughs> that, that, yeah. I'm very surprised that they are happy for them to be completely removed. But were you, I mean, did you decide to put the fire extinguishers in at some point? I think they were already there. But I know because there are some properties where, for example, we've got, we might have a fire blanket. And and again, it might just be that it was a legacy thing. We bought a property, it had a, whatever, a rack for a fire blanket. And we've kept that fire blanket. And then every year I get that fire blanket checked and you know qc'd whatever but then you know i speak to a licensing officer and they say yep you you don't actually need one in that room and i'm like well why am i doing this every single year because obviously part of you says well it's probably better to have one than not isn't it really i mean if something does happen i'd rather have one handy but then equally if we don't legally need one and we you know there's an annual cost to dealing with it and you know more often than not i don't know something will happen to it because you know, one of the tenants will accidentally do something to it. Why keep running that risk as long as all the other safety elements are in play? Yeah, quite. And if you've got a fire blanket or even a fire extinguisher on hand, that that might be what might seem nice. But would your tenants actually use it? Would they know how to use it in, in an emergency? So, Well, yeah, that's that's the other element is, yeah. Possibly not as useful as, as you might first think. But a slightly more serious thing to, to pick up on in this report is apparently one of your shower rooms does not have a fixed form of heating. I, I'm surprised your tenants put up with a, a shower room without heating. Yeah, so we've got two options here. One is go for an electric heater and or the other is plumb in a mini radiator. And yeah, it's probably going to be a cost-based decision. So depending on where the electrics are, I guess we'll look at that as well. But yeah, I think you've got to be careful when you've got an electric heater. It's got to be a certain distance from water and stuff, hasn't it? So, yeah. yeah, so so that was an important one, actually. And to be honest, sometimes you, you just don't even know if you've not done anything to the room, which we haven't in this case, is we, do you know what? We just didn't even notice stuff like that. Uh, but the, again, the rooms existed. The room existed five years ago and he's just changing the rules. But I guess this is a good case in point to say, actually, I agree, you know, I, not that this is about agreeing or disagreeing, but actually this makes perfect sense and actually will make the tenants' lives better. So I'm happy for that. 
Yeah, exactly. I'm just amazed. None of your tenants have said, you, you know, Stuart, can we can we please have a heater in this in the shower room because we, we get a bit chilly. <laughs> but presumably, no one no one's requested this. No, and you know that doesn't make it right. Um, so it's it's one of those things where it does remind me on a serious note that we probably do need to have a walk around some of our properties because if you get a property and you get tenants in and it ticks along i.e rents then it's very easy to become you know an investor where the the property just starts degrading over time and and this would be one of those reasons so this one actually i'm i'm genuinely quite thankful for the for the guidance because i think oh actually because it could be that that has meant that some people didn't stay as long or you know, because we know most people can't be bothered to say anything because it's easier just to pay with, you know, to, to uh, talk with your feet and just go and find somewhere else. Yeah. So hopefully with, with these things implemented, you'll, you'll have warmer tenants who are happy to stay for longer because they can have the washing up done by a machine. Yeah. And uh, Henry's got his own proper house. <laughs> and, and maybe, maybe the tenants will actually put him back in it. <laughs> well, on that note, I think we should finish up. I would love it if anybody listening could get in touch with their own HMO licensing stories. Good, bad, entertaining, definitely entertaining would be, would be our preference. But all the others we'd also love to hear. Please do reach out to us on Twitter. We are at biz of property. That is at B-I-Z of property on Twitter. If you'd rather keep it private and, and just entertain Stuart and myself, please do reach out to us by email. You can get to us on show at thebusinessofproperty.com. And you can also find show notes and all past episodes on thebusinessofproperty.com. And Stuart and I look forward to talking to you again next week. Bye.